Welcome to Parent Talk Podcasts, where experienced parents and expert guests give tips and tricks on making parenting a breeze. Well, at least a little easier. Now here is your host, Genevieve Kyle, and co-host, Heather Fox. Hi everyone, and welcome to the third season of Parent Talk, everything parenting and more. We are broadcasting out of the Greater Vancouver area. I'm your host, Genevieve Kyle, mom of two. I'm also the host of Les Parents Parle, which is Parent Talk French edition. And you can join me every Wednesday live on the web at Nikki Radio, N-I-K-Y-Radio.ca, from 9 p.m. to midnight Pacific Standard Time. We have a new giveaway contest, so make sure to listen until the end for everything you need to know. I'm with my co-host, Heather Fox. Hi, Heather. Hello, everyone. Yes, Heather Fox here, co-host of Parent Talk. I am also a mom of two, and I wanted to share with everybody how much fun Hudson and Alex are having at LeapFrog Gymnastics here in Coquitlam. LeapFrog Gymnastics is our new sponsor, and we wanted to tell you how much we love how their whole space is designed, especially for recreational gymnastics with smaller scale equipment and lots of specialized mats. In class, the boys get to go through fun and challenging circuits where they work on important skills such as body and spatial awareness, strength, and balance. As a sponsor, LeapFrog Gymnastics is offering our listeners $25 off their first month of classes for new members only with the promo code PARENTTALK. So for more information on programming and birthday parties, visit leapfroggym.com. So hope to see you there. Well, thank you, Heather. And today we are talking about the impact of cell phone and devices on our families. And we have with us today, Louise Clark. Louise is a certified parent coach, mindful, mindfulness coach, and a podcaster like us, and a mom of three teenagers. Hi, Louise. Thank you for joining us again today. Thank you for having me. I love being here and love talking about everything and anything parenting. <laughs> I know. And we love you when you come and <laughs> chit-chat with us. <laughs> and we can pick your brain up about our own personal little questions. <laughs> pick away. Pick away. Yeah, she loves it. She's awesome. Well, today, Louise, I want to start by you sharing with us your thoughts on the impact of devices on our families. How long have we got? <laughs> as long as you want. <laughs> so the impact of it on our families. I mean, we can, any of you who are listening, you can Google many of these things. And um, But just to go through a few that I think where the impact is, is at its most great and significant is I think it is affecting our ability to communicate within families and certainly having three teenagers I watch them and they are so comfortable communicating with their friends via text snapchat whatever else that I really have to work very hard to ensure that they are still as comfortable face to face so I think the impact is it is reducing our children's capacity as they get older to be comfortable with face-to-face -face interactions. They're much more comfortable being connected from a technology perspective than connected from an emotional perspective. And we've talked in this podcast previously about um, emotional uh, regulation and, and being aware of our feelings and how we help our children express our feelings. And I think that the, the cell phones are... Masking that to an extent, I think they're they're giving 
children uh, uh, a reason for for not being able to express themselves as well. I also think that um, more to the case of what are children not doing as a result of being on their cell phones as much as they are, what is the time spent on cell phones robbing them from in reality? So they're spending so much time in the virtual world that it's denying them the time spent in the real world. And for the brain to develop, it has to have real world experience. So it is definitely impacting the development of the child, the, the ch- child's brain. It's having an impact on our health. I know that the uh, statistics on sleep are very different now to what they were many, many years ago pre-cell phones. Um, and also kids that are sleeping with cell phones in their bedrooms, it is impacting the quality of their sleep and what's going on in their brains during the night, what should happen and what's perhaps not happening. I'm no expert on this, so these are just my thoughts. Um, and I recently heard a very alarming report on the negative effect of cell phones on newborns and the relationship between the newborn and the mother. They were talking specifically about when mothers are nursing their babies or pushing babies in a stroller or any time when the child might be on your knee or with you that a newborn has to have eye contact and has to engage with the mother from a, a, a from their senses and when the mother is distracted and caught up on her cell phone it's denying the the newborn the much needed um uh the much needed what is the word i'm looking for they need to have that connection with their mother the eye to eye the physical contact and it's having a very ne- negative impact on newborns and they're tra- they're tracking these these children now to see the the extent of it um, so I, I think the impact on it is far greater than we could ever imagine. I don't think anyone would have realized just how much it is impacting our our very beings as human beings. And also talking about connection, I think, you know, think mealtimes, think car journeys, think just sitting around chatting as a family. So many children are on their phones, so many parents are on their phones, and we'll get to the parent bit in a minute when we look at ways in which we can minimize the negative impact that it is having on our lives. And I sound like the technology ogre here and the Grinch. I, <laughs> I you know, technology's here. It's here to stay. We can't live without it, but we have to be able to live with it. And, you know, I couldn't live without it. It's an amazing thing. It's, you know, helped us all so much in our lives in so many ways but we have to be able to balance it. And in and of itself, um, again, I'll quote Dr. Shafali Sabari, and she had this quote in my organizer where in August the theme page is technology for a reason, because in August the kids are home, they're around us all the time, and they are at that stage on their devices more, and it, parents are just about pulling their hair out as to how they're going to get their kids off their devices in August. So the quote for the month is, Technology is not the enemy. It's our ability, it's our inability to set boundaries around it that is. So it's coming back to us as parents. And I always think we have to look at what we're doing and how we are setting boundaries and holding the limits because that's going to impact our children 
more significantly than than anything else. So we'll we'll come back to that when we talk about ways in which we can manage it. Yeah, so Louise, can you tell us actually about how we can manage technology and devices and cell phones with our children? The biggest one for me as a mom, and it's been really hard, but I've managed to do it, is for me, I have not wanted my kids to have their cell phones in their bedrooms. If I could, my goal was to eliminate just that, because in eliminating that, you're taking an awful lot of other things uh, out off, off, the, off the table. The kids fight really hard to have their phones in their rooms because they'll tell you, but I need it as an alarm clock. Well, the Go buy an alarm yeah, clock. <laughs> yeah, the stores still stock alarm clocks. You know, there are those things that stand by your bed and they've got a clock face on them and they go ding-a-ling-a-ling at a hor- horrendous hour in the morning. You can still buy those. You can get them on Amazon. Um, and I went and bought five and all five of us have them. The kids don't have their phones in their bedrooms. So they don't use them as alarm clocks but more to that the other thing that if you are listening to this and you don't have teenagers yet is that your teenager will tell you that they will not go on their phone at night I promise you mum I will not it's on silence mum mum it's on airplane mode they shut the door and you know what they might not be on it but let me tell you their friends are and the average teenager is woken up three to four times per night by texts and Snapchat coming in from their friends. And when I get up in the morning and the phones are on the charge station, I've inadvertently occasionally, you know, pressed the, the, the button on mine to see if anything's come up during the night. And it's been one of my kids and there's a list of Snapchats. And I don't, I never look at my kids' phones. I, don't, I ask them if I want to see something. But when Snapchat comes in, you can see the time of the day it came, comes in. So you'll see things like, 1.10 a.m. X, 2.41 Y, 3.54 Z. And those are, those are chats coming into my kids' phones. And if the, kids, if the phones were in their bedroom, they'd be woken by them. What one of us can say no to a phone that goes ting? Text comes in, we look at our phones. Our kids are no different. Of course they're going to look at their phones. You can trust them. You can everything you want, but they're... they're you know, they, they can't say no to these things and it's really hard. So having phones out of their bedroom, I think, is a huge plus, not to mention the blue light and the electromagnetic waves and things. There's lots of controversy over that as to whether it does impact the brain. But suffice to say, you know, we need some time away from it. So I think that is a really important thing and an easy, you know, they'll fight you, but eventually they'll they'll, they'll be okay with it provided you have the alarm clock as well. You can hardly make your kids have alarm clocks, but you sit with your iPad and your phone by your bed, which brings me to the next thing, which is role modeling. We need to shape our digital behavior into that that we want our children to develop. So if we are answering the phone at the table and we are responding to texts while we're eating, guess what? Our kids are going to do it too. So if you want your kids to be able to put their phone down and not look at it when they're in having a conversation with someone or they're not going to pick it up while they're having breakfast, then you need to look at yourself and what you're doing because it's monkey see, monkey do. Um, and I remember as a kid, you know, my, my parents sometimes saying to me, 
do as I say and not as I do. In other words, they could do whatever they wanted and I wasn't allowed to do what they were doing. And, you know, I remember that. And so, and I know with my kids, they might say, mom, you just told us to put our phones down and you've just answered your phone. On the flip side of that, there's many times when we're having dinner as a family and a phone will will raise a, a noise and the kids will go, that that could be your friend, mom. I'm like, yeah. They go, well, you better go and answer. And I'm like, no, but why? I said, because I'm having dinner. You know, I'm not going to go and answer the, the phone right now. I don't need to. That can wait. So helping them be able to, to understand that you have to be able to tolerate the frustration of not being able to pick up your phone at times. You're going to have to have your phone off at school, although... You don't want to know what goes on at school with phones. The kids are on them all the time. They're in their pockets. They're on them. The teachers are even saying, okay, now you can get your phones out. My, it's written into one of the classes my daughter's in that halfway through the class, they're allowed to check their cell phones. So, so by allowing it, they're eliminating them trying to sneak always. Yeah, there's that. <laughs> but they're only in a classroom for an hour. I mean, really, yeah. do they have to have 10 minutes on their phone? I sound like a yeah. I sound like an old person here, but <laughs> um, so you know, helping our children be able to regulate themselves on their devices is another really important thing. And if you're listening and your kids are younger, I do think that that setting limits on screen time is a really really valuable thing to do. It helps children learn to delay gratification, to learn to live within the boundaries of someone else. They have to um, tolerate the frustration of having to stop something that they're enjoying doing. So there's lots of skill sets that can be developed as a result of setting limits on the phone, on their phones or devices. But more than that, it's it's not recommended for for long periods of time anyway. So them being able to put their phones down and adhere to the limits will only be as good as you are at being able to set them. So working together as a family, maybe in family meetings, setting, collaborating and coming up with a time that suits you, that suits them, how many days a week, what days a week. Just remember the more rules and things you have, the more you have to police it. And ultimately you want your kids to be able to do this for themselves. So if it always falls down to you, then when you're not there, they might not be able to do it. So using timers are good. Encourage your kids to use a timer, set the timer. So when the timer goes, it's not you saying, get off your screens. It's the timer saying, and just know you're going to have to remind them. You're going to have to go up to them and say, the timer went, oh mom, but please, how much more time do you need? Well, I need another hour. No, you're not having another hour. Well, I've not finished this round yet. How long is that? A minute. Yep, you can have your minute. But after a minute, it's off and stay with them until that minute's up and then it's off. But, you know, we're in the kitchen, we're making dinner, the, the timer's gone on someone's device time. You're saying, get off your device and the potatoes are boiling and they're still on their device. And 45 minutes later, when dinner is finished, they're still on the couch on their device. That's a very common thing that happens in, in homes. And we're all human. We're all trying to do, we're all mums. We're trying to do gazillion things at once. But if you want your kids to be good 
and managing their time on screens, you have to be good with holding the limits and setting the boundaries. Um, there are um, devices that you can get. There's one called the Circle, which is a, like a modem. It's like a little drive of its own that you can attach into your, your modem, your Wi-Fi, your router. And you can actually set it so that the Wi-Fi is only available during certain times. And you can actually then link it to every single cell phone in the house. And more than that, you can link it to every game within every cell phone. So you could actually be saying, okay, your four-year-old can only play Thomas the Tank Engine for half an hour between two and three, and it will only allow that game to be played between two and three um, at that time. So there are devices you can use to help control the Wi-Fi and the amount of time they can play on their games. But as your kids get older, the question must be, rather than relying on a on a device to say come off or me to say come off how do you feel when you're on it too long can you self-regulate can you notice that you you've had too much time on it that you've gone into that zombie state and you need to get off your your screen for yourself so they can uh, be good at setting boundaries for themselves when you're not there because ultimately we want them to be able to take responsibility of it when when we're not around mm -hmm. how can we empower them to regulate themselves how can we empower ourselves to regulate ourselves mm -hmm. you know because that's the bigger question it's such a highly addictive thing we all depend on it we all know we shouldn't be on it as much as we are we all pick it up hundreds of times a day when we don't really need to so how can we empower our children to be better with it role modeling as i said earlier And also, I think, to educate them, you know, they, they need to know exactly what it, it is doing to them and how it is affecting their ability to be a human being and not a virtual being. So many of the things I mentioned earlier, you know, no phones in the bedroom, being aware of the blue light, using devices and routers, helping them understand how they feel on it, setting boundaries, holding limits, um, going for connection over connectivity And, you know, as a, as a parent, making sure that you're doing enough things together as a family that are so much fun, that is more fun than the kids would have on their games or, or texting or messaging their friends is, is also an important aspect of it. You know, if you're playing a family board game and they really enjoy it, they'd rather that connection than being on their phones on their own. So you know, we can, we need to be creative. And, you know, if you're in a carpool, for example, and the kids, you've got tweens and, and middle schoolers in the car, I think you're quite within your rights to say no phones on the car ride. And it'll be interesting. It's very interesting to see what they talk about. They're very uncomfortable at first when they haven't got their phones, but, uh, you know, pretty soon the conversation starts and they enjoy it. They enjoy that time. What they don't realize is that when they're not on it, they can really enjoy their time um, connected in a different way. We have to let them taste that. Yeah. Or mm -hmm. teach them. Keep the taste. taste. Yeah. You know, not let that taste disappear. Cause, mm -hmm. So what can you do to give them a taste for it? What can you do to get them to be wanting to spend more time out of in the real world and, and out of the virtual world. The virtual world is an exciting place for them. Mm -hmm. It's hard. When should we consider giving a cell phone to a child? 
I don't have the answer for that per se, but I think trust your intuition as a parent. You know what is truly needed for your kids and what is not. And ask yourself, am I giving them a cell phone from a place of fear? In other words, what is it I'm fearing for if they didn't have a cell phone? So for example, say you have a seven-year-old and they're going to start walking to school. They're in your local community. You walked there when you were little and your seven-year-old wants to walk to school. Do you need your seven-year-old to have a cell phone in order to walk to school on their own? One of you out there might say, absolutely, I need my child to have a cell phone. The other mom might say, I don't need my child to have a cell phone. So I don't think there's a right and a wrong. I think there are certain situations where children do need to have a cell phone. You could have a 12-year-old that's babysitting and the home they're looking after the children for doesn't have a landline. Um, Yes, you probably want your child to have Yes, you probably want your child to have a cell phone in that situation, but I don't think every situation calls for a cell phone, but every situation is unique and it might be a one-off, in which case maybe you could give your child your cell phone so you've got one cell phone at home and your child has a cell phone. I think we're very tempted to convince ourselves and buy into the fact that our every kid needs to be GPS tagged and have a cell phone when in fact there's probably fewer situations that they really, really need it. So ask yourself, do they really need it ongoing or will my cell phone suffice today? And when you know your answer is whatever it is, you know. It's not for me here to say aged X, every child should have a cell phone. I don't feel that's my place, but you know Trust yourself, trust your intuition, you know your child and look at the situations they're in. And and if you feel they need a cell phone, then you need to make the decision accordingly. Mm -hmm. Louise, we can find you on our panel of experts at parenttalk.ca. Where else can we find you? You can find me on www.yourparentingpartner.com, my website. And you can also find me on my podcast, which is Parenting in the Thick of It, And also I have a family organizer called the Parenting in the Thick of It Family Organizer. Awesome. Heather, can you please pick a card and read it to us? All right. So today our little saying is in the nick of time. So the origin of this saying, the word nick comes from the Middle English word nike, meaning at the critical moment. So in the nick of time, our question is, do you usually arrive at school slash work slash an event very early or just in the nick of time? I'm not really a nick of time person. I like to arrive with a little bit of time to spare. And um, as we're talking parenting, I think I want to role model that to my kids as well, that they're not flying by the seat of their pants and arriving in the nick of time, but to be there with just enough time to be able to um, kind of uh, get into the the, the feel for what you're about to go into? For me, it's been very much about, I guess, what it was. 
for school, I've always been very, very punctual. I don't like to be stressed out. Like I'm going to a vendor, so I don't want to be stressed that I'm finding parking and things like that. So I like to give myself a lot of extra time. Growing up, my mom was like the insanely early person. Oh my gosh. So we would be sitting in for like half an hour in the car. In the car? Before <laughs> we get to go <laughs> She was so early. So it's like almost, but then when it comes to my personal life, it's actually something I need to work at because I'm constantly late. So it's so weird when it comes to professional or work. I'm like always on time, if not early. And personal, I'm terrible. I don't know why I have these two <laughs> split personality with my <laughs> time that way. <laughs> you see, when I was younger, I actually even won the award of the person that was the most late when I was in dental <laughs> hygiene school. <laughs> This is bad to say. I was, you know what? I am someone that likes to sleep in and... Every first course in the morning, first class, I was 15 minutes late, right? <laughs> so yeah, I won an award for being late. But now if I'm going somewhere and I'm invited, I will actually give myself, I will be there 15 minutes after just to give this little extra 15 minutes to the host to get ready. But no more than that. Otherwise I will be actually communicating. But one teacher told me at one point, and it really stuck with me, is when you're early, you're on time. When you're on time, you're late. And when you're late, you're lost. And it really stuck with me because that's a good way, I think, to see things. So after um, a teacher told me this, I kind of switched things around a little bit. Interesting. Although you say that, like with hosting, it drives me crazy when people are early. If I'm like hosting something because I am, I have so many things that I'm doing and I'm running around and if they show up early, I'm not ready for them. So I think that's of, fair enough. If yeah. you arrive early at an event, you recognize <sighs> you're early and you either lift your hands and you get in and help them organize or you yeah. don't expect someone to be ready. Or you wait in the car. Or you wait, <laughs> yeah, in, the you wait in the car. So yeah. if you're early, that's fine. But stay in the car. Don't ring my doorbell yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that concludes today's episode. I want to thank you, Heather and Louise, for joining us today and growing our village. Heather, before we go, I want you to tell us about our new VIM giveaway. Yes, our very important moms. So if you would like to be this month's VIM and win over $300 in prizes, find us on Facebook and in Instagram. And we're going to like, tag three friends, and comment on any or all of our October posts. The more love you show us, the more entries you'll receive. And receive five bonus entries every time you share one of our posts on your page. And of course, on Instagram, please like, comment, and tag three friends for more entries. Awesome. Well, I'm really exciting to be announcing our first VIM winner the first week of November, right? Yes. At the beginning of November. Awesome. So don't forget, if you want to hear a little bit more about Heather and I, we will be releasing some mini episode called Real Mom Moments, where we talk about what's happening in our daily lives. If you have a question or you would like to join us on our show as a guest or as an expert, please visit the Contact Us section on our website at parenttalk.ca. If you are near us, don't forget to check out Leapfrog Gymnastic and get your $25 off your first month of classes with the promo code PARENTTALK. Of course, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And you can always subscribe directly to this podcast on our website at parenttalk.ca. If you enjoyed today's episode, we're inviting you to share it 
on your social media. As we know, parenting can be hard, so it's so important to remember to laugh, keep learning, cherish your village, and be true to yourself. Parent Talk is a safe space for everyone. Thank you everyone for listening and have a fantastic week. The views and or opinions of the host and their guests are not necessarily those of Parent Talk and should not be considered as fact. The information offered is believed to be accurate but is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice and should not be used for diagnosing or treating any health issue or prescribing medication. If you have any questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your child, please seek assistance from a qualified healthcare practitioner.